it's, it's there if you'd like to. I like a full front row. It helps me preach. Uh, okay. I feel a... I'll just come closer to you then. Uh, I feel a... I feel a, an anointing or a presence of the Lord today. I don't know how you're feeling. Um, I feel there's something significant to be said today. Uh, I really want to honor Emily this week. She's honored me in my preparation for the word and has encouraged me and has fired me up because I feel like I've been hesitant to share what I want to share today. I feel like maybe it is more of a straight word. Um, I feel a little bit underprepared, even though I have prepared more than I most do most weeks for this week, but I still feel unready for it um, because I feel like there's something powerful in it. And I feel like it's an extreme thing to share with you, but if you would get, your life would radically change forever. And actually, it's not just it would radically change, it's the only way to change. And you'll understand why I'm saying this, but it's really the only course and uh, it, it feels sometimes extreme to say, and I, I maybe it's an insecurity in Liam because I have had lots of comments in my life that I'm too extreme. I'm sure you've probably said that to yourself, <laughs> that I'm a little bit too extreme in my faith and I go a little bit too far in it. But actually what I'm learning is it's the only way. And uh, I'm hoping today it will be an encouragement to you. I'm hoping today it will be a challenge to you. I'm hoping today it will give you a, a way out of things that are holding you back. Because I am fully aware that so many of us sit in this room, come and worship God, but then we leave with exactly the same chains, mental barriers, sinful temptations and habits. We leave exactly the same as we came in. We worship God, we sung to Him, we returned to splendor, we gave our worship over to Him, but when we leave, we leave the same. And then we start to wonder, where is God? Have you ever been there in your life? God, where are you? Why aren't you doing anything in me? And God's like, I've been trying to preach the same message to you like 15 times. You just ain't listening. And so this is, this, you see all the heaviness already, you feel it, yeah? This is, this is what I feel like it's going to be today. But church, please, please, please listen to me. Don't just hear me. Listen to me today. Let's go home and do something about what I've said today. Because I know and I have learned it is the secret to life. So what I want to talk today, what I want to talk to you about is obedience to God. Does that sound heavy enough for you today on a Sunday morning, on the sun shining? Just what you need on a bank holiday. Will you turn to somebody next to you and say, be obedient to God. And if you, uh, have you... Oh, thanks, buddy. And that's got a friend. Now there's an empty second row. <laughs> Do you see how this goes on until the back row is empty? Although I'm just going to start calling the back row Bert's back row crew. Like Bert and his crew at the back there. How you doing? Good to see you, Bert. <laughs> Chilling at the back. Okay. Uh, do you like the person you're sitting next to? Do you feel comfortable enough with them that if I say something challenging, you could prod them? Elbow them and say, that one was for you. Just try that right now. Just say, that one was for you. <laughs> and then if you have your Bible with you, will you open it up to Isaiah 6 for me? Isaiah 6. That is in the Old Testament before Jesus was around. And he is a prophet 
He actually has one of the longest books in the Bible, 66 chapters, and it has around 25,000 words in it if you would like to read it in your own time. It's quite heavy. Be prepared. We have been talking about Return to Splendor. How many of you enjoyed the past two weeks if you were here? Yes, fantastic. We've been talking about this idea of getting back to proper worshiping God, proper praise in Him, not just talking about it, but like really trying to understand why we do what we do on a Sunday when we sing out and praise him. Emily covered that so well uh, two weeks ago. Maria last week, Maria's full, first full-length preach. Did you enjoy it? I thought she did fantastic. And uh, she spoke to us about humility. Like when you come to worship, you must come with a humble heart. You cannot think that you are God of your life. You must come and recognize there is somebody above you. And that takes humility. And today, we're going to talk about what I believe is the Bible's real definition of worship. God considers worship obedience. That is true worship to God. You can come and sing all you like, but if you go and leave obedient, it doesn't mean anything. Your heart must be obedient to God. That is true worship to Him. So we're going to start that by looking at Isaiah 6. Are you ready for it? Are you ready to learn? Are you ready to listen? Yeah? Are you smiling? What happens when you smile? It releases the chemicals. It doesn't know whether it's real or fake. So give me a smile. Trust me, it will help you enjoy my preach uh, if you don't like it otherwise. Can I have the Bible verse on the screen, please? Ruth, thank you very much. Um, Ruth, I'm going to skip a bit. Actually, I'm not going to start right at the beginning. Unless, otherwise, we might be here for a while. Can I jump down to Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 6 verse 8? Is that all right, Ruth? Just throwing it on you. Ruth's first time doing words, by the way. Oh, it starts with, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying. I brought my oil, by the way. If anyone wants any healing today, come to me at the end. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, I being Isaiah, here I am, send me. And he said, go and say this to the people. Before I read this bit, Isaiah has just had an amazing vision of God. Now God has given him a special assignment. This is his mission, all right? I think that's going to be a pretty cool moment. He's in the throne room of God. He's having a vision of heaven and God says, right, I'm going to pick you. I now have a mission for you. Are you ready for the mission? Are you ready for this? This is a very interesting mission. He says, go and say to the people, people being Israel. So this is a nation. It's like someone coming to you and saying, you need to go and share this message to the whole of the UK. And this is the message you must give them. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their eyes heavy and blind their eyes. Eyes. Hang on a second, this doesn't sound right to me. And hear with their ears, um, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then he said, how long, O Lord? And he said, until the cities lie waste without inhabitant. Hang on a second, is this Jesus Christ that we talk about? A guy who was born in a manger, liked kids, calls the lamb. What is he talking about? And people, houses without people, and the land in a, is a desolate waste, and the Lord removes people far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land, and though a tenth remain in it, it will be burnt again. Yay, this is cheery. Like a terebinth on a, or an oak, whose stump remains when it is felled, the holy seed is its stump. 
Yeah, amen. That's, wow, really encouraging verse for the morning. Here, Isaiah, you are going to be my man. You're going to be my prophet. I'm going to give you a special assignment. Your special assignment is go and tell everyone how awful they are and then keep preaching so that they don't like you. In fact, the more you preach, the more they will not like you. And you must keep doing this until they all leave. That is not how they teach you to plant churches. Imagine that happened here. Imagine every time I preached, somebody else in the room got super offended and hated me and decided to leave. If I, but seriously though, if I did that, how successful do you think I would be? I would not be invited to speak at conferences. They would not be talking about our church in Christian magazine, where I'm sure that one of those exists. You know, they wouldn't be. It would be considered so unsafe. In fact, I would be considered irrational, crazy, unloving, disrespectful. How many words would they come up with? How many words did they call Isaiah? What on earth are you talking about, mate? Just calm down. Stop going so extreme. But Isaiah is called to obey this command. And not just one time. Like maybe if one time, okay, I could do it. I could, I've, trust me, I've preached messages in my life where people have literally got up and left. It's happened many a time. In fact, one time someone stood up and screamed at me and then left. All right? So I've been there. I've been there. It's true, it happened. And, it was not, and then their parents came in and screamed to me afterwards, so that was fun. Anyway. So I've been there. One time I could probably do. I don't mind holding truth for a long time and then every so often speaking about it. I know there's some things and topics about Christianity that is not popular in the world. I don't mind holding those. But if I knew every single week the people that are supposed to be my people, you guys, if I knew every week I was going to be preaching and you would leave, I don't know if I could do it. If I lost the Embertons, oh. Denise and John left because I offended them. I would be so devastated. If the Armsbys decided to pack up and move, I would be gutted. But if God has asked you to do it, you've got to do it. I wonder what obedience means to you. I wonder how obedience fits into your mind when you hear that word. Do you like the word? Do you not like the word? How many of you, it immediately takes you back to childhood? How many of you, it takes you back to school? We don't particularly like the word obedience. I don't know, what's your thoughts about how the world sees obedience right now? Teachers in the room, how do you find the word obedience? Has it got worse or has it got better? My mother-in-law's been teaching for 37 years. Obedience, has it got worse or better? Worse. Maybe some of you, I know we've got, some, we've got a policeman in our church not here today. I wonder how he would find the word obedience. I don't know about you, but I noticed that as soon as Boris Johnson became prime minister, all I saw was hateful comments on Facebook. I'm thinking, look, no matter what you think about him, he's still been, in, been put in a position. And the Bible says that God puts those kind of people in position. So whatever you think about him, there is some kind of honor and respect and even some obedience to the laws and the things that he creates for our land. But I saw our world just immediately turn against him. I'm not saying I'm a massive fan, but I'm not going to talk about him behind his back. Still gossip. It's still gossip. Just because he's the prime minister doesn't mean it doesn't count. 
I wonder how you find the word obedience. I, I've been bewildered by it myself as a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor for 10 years. When I first started, I felt I had a little bit more respect from the young people. One time I even yelled freeze at a young person because they were about to do something dangerous and they literally stopped in mid-motion. I thought, wow, I've got some power. <laughs> but as I noticed, as I started to time to go on, I felt like obedience became a different type of word. It became like an, a, a bad word. How does it feel to you? In fact, I remember one time, would you like to hear this little story? I found this, I found this fascinating, but I realized maybe this is true for every single one of us. At the end of my youth pastoring career, um, I had stopped, basically, I, I, had not, I didn't do very many one-on-one -on -one meeting with young men, particularly um, mentoring, because I did that when I started, but then I was starting to train team, and the team would do it, and so I looked after the team. But this one parent came to me and said, Liam, I'm really having trouble with my son. They are kicking off at home. I cannot control them. I do not know what to do. And I thought, you know what? I just felt the prompting in my spirit that I, I was going to take this one on. So in my last couple of years as a youth pastor, I took this young guy on, started to mentor him. And he was very challenging to me. I couldn't get anywhere with him. And I was trying to help him. I always try and ask questions because you need them to realize what's going on in their own life. And you need them to figure it out. And I started to ask him questions. I'm starting to try and get him to figure out what his problem is and try and get him to realize that really he's the problem, not, not everybody else. How many of you have been there before? It's not external issues in your life that are a problem. Actually, it's, it's you and I. And I start chatting to him, and I realize what the problem is for him. And then he's not getting it. All right? I have tried many a times. I've met with him for hours and hours and hours. He is not clicking to what the problem is in his life. So I decided, you know, I've had enough. I'm going old school youth pastor. I'm just going to tell him straight. All right? How many of you ready for this? And I told him straight, and I wrote on the board, and I said, this is what I think your problem is. And I wrote the sentence out, and I said something along the lines of, you want what you want when you want it. And I said it to him, and this was his reaction. He was like, oh, yeah, that's it. And I was like, no, no, sorry, that, that's a bad thing. And I was like, you want that? He's like, yeah, that's exactly what I want. And I was like, no, 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 you don't get it. No, that's a bad thing. He's like, no, no, that's, that sounds great to me. That's how I, and I was like, sorry, you literally want life to be what you want when you want. He's like, yes, finally, someone said it. I was sitting there like, what have I done with my life for the past 10 years? I've been a failure as a youth pastor. In my head, I'm like, this is so obvious. But to him, it truly wasn't obvious. He had been built up in such a way in his life that he really thought that was an okay mentality to live by. But now here's the challenge to you and me. I wonder how often we actually live like that. Yeah, maybe not in everything. And maybe if someone challenged it on you, of course you would deny it. Of course. No way do I. That's not, not what I want. But let's be honest. I see it in myself. I want things to be the way I want them to be when I want them to be it. I want the church to be what I want it to be when I want it to be it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Do you sense it in your marriage? Do you sense it in your partner? Maybe let's try that. Maybe it's easier to see it in other people. I see it when we come to church sometimes. You want church to be exactly as you want it to be when you want it to be it. I see it in us. I want the money when I want the money exactly as that amount I want the money for. I want it. I see in this generation, the generation want jobs these days, but what they want is they want a job that's super flexible, pays them really well, and uh, they have some kind of position in it. They don't want to start at the bottom. Am I being honest? Is that okay? That's what I'm starting to notice. And so I'm starting to tell young guys in their 20s, I'm like, that's not how it starts. You can pick one. 
You can't have flexibility and money at the same time, not when you start out. That's not how it works. You can't, you can't, you can't have some position and then, you know, it, it's not how it works. You have to start at the bottom. There's some things you have to do. You have to be a little bit obedient. You can't just want what you want when you want it. Are you with me so far? Do you understand this? Have you felt this in your life? I sense it in us. We want what we want when we want it. And this is what I love about this bit. Isaiah. Isaiah, you're going to have to do something that will never be what you want when you want it. Never be it. In fact, what I love about Isaiah is he's prophesied so much. And you've heard me talk about Jonah, yes? Do you remember this? Because Jonah only prophesied eight words and saw a whole nation of 120,000 people turn around in one day. If I was Isaiah, I'd be so annoyed. I revised so hard for the test. How did you just get an A star? You, you were out drinking last night. But that's the call that Isaiah had. What I'm starting to learn is if you really want to obey God, if you really want to worship him, if you really want to return to splendor, you must be willing to do what he wants you to do when he wants you to do it, regardless of how it affects you. So I have the question of the Bible, why? Anyone else want to ask that question today? Are you still with me? Are you too hot? Is this too deep? Are you okay? Fantastic. I want to ask the question, why? Why, God, would you tell Isaiah to do this? This makes no sense to me. Anybody else? Or is that just me? It makes no sense to me. Why would you ask him to do this? Why, God, do you ask him to do something that you know he is not going to like, he is not going to find logical, and he is not going to find reason in? It's just going to be so crazy to him. Why are you asking him to do it? And I felt the Lord say to me, most of us, I don't know about you, but I have an obedience to a certain level. My obedience normally stops when my understanding stops. My mum will know this very well. Because growing up, I liked to talk back. That was one of my unfortunate habits. My teachers did not appreciate it either. And most of the time when I was asked to do something, do you know how I responded? Why? I don't mind obeying you. I just must know why. I must know the reason. I must know the logic. I must know the understanding. I must know your thinking. And then I will obey. Mama, can you testify? I was definitely like that. I was the worst of the three brothers. I would want to know why. My name went up on the whiteboard at school many a time because I simply asked the question, why? Why were they so annoyed by it? Because asking why is actually a moment of disobedience to them. Because if I need the why, that means I'm actually obeying my understanding and my logic, not the person who asked me. I'm actually obeying myself. You see, sometimes God asks you to do things that you don't understand, don't like, do not even agree with, simply to see, will you trust him or do you actually trust you? And most of us stop there. And actually, we stay there. And as we grow up, you, you start to have to obey less people, I guess. That's what it feels like anyway. You know, you have to start with your parents. You have to obey the parents. And then you have teachers. And then, ah, now you just really have to obey your boss and you're fine. And maybe your wife, if that's how it goes for you. You know, that, that's kind of, that's basically it. As long as you can do that. So it seems to get a bit easier. But actually, we carry this understanding, this mindset that I'll obey Jesus when he makes sense to me. But if you wait for that to obey God, you will always be living in the limitations of your understanding and revelation of who Jesus is. And actually, if you only live in your understanding of how things work, guess who's God in your life? Guess who's in charge? 
You might come here, you might sing about Jesus, but if you cannot go home and obey him, who's really the one you're worshiping? Oh, sorry, that was too challenging, wasn't it? Shall I go now? I'll leave. I'll get out here. I'll go out of the fire exit because I'm on fire. That's the challenge. And then I also think about the nation of Israel. Okay, Isaiah needed the call so he learned to understand God even. Okay, get that, fine. But what about Israel? That's so unfair, is it not? Like, yeah, I'm sure they've done some awful things and blasphemed the name of God, but do they really deserve to be destroyed (laughs) to a place where no one lives in their houses anymore? Is that really fair? And then, sorry, I can't remember my point. (laughs) It's okay, I'll get to it. I started to wonder about Israel. Because what I started to think about for Israel is maybe sometimes it's not what God asks you to do. Oh, I remember why. I got it, I got it. Thanks, Jamie, appreciate it. Thanks for supporting me through that tough time. At the end of the passage, sorry, it says at the end of the passage, the, the one thing will remain. Did you pick up on that? One thing will remain. What will remain? Did you pick up? The holy stump. The holy stump. That's a bit strange. Why that? Basically, that imagery is the fact that one day a Messiah will come that will transform the world as we know it. Even though everything else will be destroyed, one thing will remain. And that one thing that will remain is Jesus Christ. He is the holy stump. You see, what what God was trying to do with Israel is God was trying to prune Israel all the way back to the roots because it had become so bad that none of the tree was worth saving anymore. So we got to cut back straight to the root in order that Jesus then might grow through you. What is he trying to say to Israel? Less of you, more of me. So why is he saying it to Isaiah? Because you need to trust me even when you don't understand. Israel, you need to learn that your life is really not about you. And you've done so many bad things, I'm going to have to prune you all the way back so that it's less of you, but it's more of me. That's a place that we must get to in our lives. How are you doing with that one? It's too challenging this morning, is it okay? Less of us, more of Jesus. And what I find in this whole passage is that we don't, Sometimes it's not necessarily what God is asking us to do, but sometimes it's the way he asks us to do it that actually makes it even harder to obey. Let me explain. Isaiah stood in front of the throne room of God and God asked him to do something incredibly hard. I don't know about you, but if I was standing before the throne room of God, I would probably obey whatever he asks. Would you agree? If an angel of the Lord came down to me and said, Liam, sell everything you have, I'd immediately do it because I'm seeing physically an angel before me. But what I then notice is about Jesus is when Jesus came to earth, he didn't come down as a levitating angel superhero, which I would have if I was here. He just came down as a carpenter, a normal guy. And then he turned around, and by the way, he quoted this passage of Isaiah six times in the New Testament. And then he quoted it, and he was basically saying to him, look guys, you are now the modern Israel. You, you, you're looking at me, but you don't perceive me. You're hearing me, but you're not listening to me. You can understand my words, but you're not changing your behavior. Jesus was saying it. Now, I wonder if Jesus had just got up and like levitated or, I don't know, done something magical or, I don't know, you know, I know he walked on water, but that was just for the disciples. What happens if he... 
you know, he made a tree just grow out the ground or like, I don't know, do something miraculous, something physical, then maybe people would have obeyed him more. But what I'm learning is sometimes it's not what God asks you to do, but the way he asks you to do it that makes it hard to obey. Have you noticed this in your own life? How about maybe sometimes when God decides to use an apostle, pastor, prophet, or teacher in the house to stand up at the front, tell you something that you need to hear, but because maybe you want to put something on it so that you don't have to hear, because I don't want to hear it from them. I'll hear it from God, but I don't want to hear it from that person. We must become good at understanding what the Bible says so that we know what God is asking us. And let me tell you, God can teach you through any single person around you. I try and live with the mandate in my life that every single person I meet knows something I don't. Because that is a true statement. Even if it's their mother's maiden name. Every single person I meet knows something I don't. I must be willing to learn from all kinds of people in all kinds of places. I must be willing to obey God even if God asks me in a strange way. Even if God asks me to do something extreme. So Isaiah gets this call. Israel has to face this judgment. And it's in a strange way. Isaiah starts doing it. Isaiah starts transforming the nation by preaching a bad, like preaching bad news. And everyone starts to leave. Everyone starts to turn against him. And church, here's really what I want to say to you today. If you can stay with me, if you can wake yourself up, you can shake yourself, please try and stay with me for this moment. I really want to share something with you. This is what I really wanted to lead this message to. I guess it's this question. Are you willing to be seen as too extreme for the faith? See, what I'm learning about Jesus is you can't do Jesus 99%. You can't give him 99% of your life. You have to give everything. Everything. Like everything, every thought, every word. Every action, every pound, every moment that you live, you, mu- you must give it over to Jesus. It's, it's 100%. Okay, okay, you, you, do you hear me? Okay, let me put it like this. I, I remember I was, at a, I was at a lad's like weekend away one time, and I was sharing a room with this guy. And this guy had just split up with his girlfriend, and of course, you know, he knew that I love Jesus, so somehow it means that he can talk to me about everything. So we're sitting in our room, and he's like, Liam, I just need to share with you about my life right now, and I need to talk to you about it. I said, sure, sure, talk to me about it. And he's telling me about this girl, and he really loved this girl. He loved her, man. Jack, he really liked her. He really liked her. And then, and then she broke up with him, broke his heart, and he's devastated. He doesn't know what to do anymore. He doesn't know where to land in life. And he starts talking to me, and he's like, Liam, I just don't get life. I don't... I don't I don't understand it. I can't figure it out. I don't get this thing called life. And I said to him, my friend, I'll give him a name. I'll give him Scott. That's just a random name that came to my mind. And I said, Scott, listen, my friend, I do know the secret. I do. I could tell you exactly what you need to hear that will transform your life forevermore. I know exactly what to say. But the truth is, I don't think you'll listen. It's not that I don't know what to say. My challenge in my life is trying to get people to listen and believe what I say. Trust me, I know how to help your life. There is a grace as a pastor. I swear, I can't even explain it. When you decide to submit to this house, somehow God gives me an understanding for your life. I cannot explain it. I, know, I almost know things that you're going to do. Now, my challenge is not telling you those things because I know the answer to your situations. My challenge is, will you believe me when I tell you? Because you want to hear from God, you want to obey God, but you don't want it to come through this form. 
And so I'm sitting with my friend Scott, and I'm like, hey, man, listen, I know the answer, but the truth is I just don't think you'll believe me. He said, no, man, I'll believe you. And I said, no, you won't. He said, yes, I will, man. I'll stand. I'll go for it. I'll believe whatever it is you say. And I said, no, you won't. No, I will. Liam, seriously, I need help, man. I need help. And I said, fine, I'll tell you. You want to know the secret to life? It's absolute devotion to the name of Jesus. Absolute. No wavering. Jesus says it's like a narrow path. It's not a wide one. You can't come on this path and decide to go your own way. If the reason it's narrow is because you have to join the path, you then have to follow one person. Do you get that? If it's a wide path, you start to walk beside somebody. You don't walk, you don't walk beside Jesus. You, walk, you follow Jesus. He leads the way on the narrow path. The truth and the secret I really want you to hear is this absolute devotion to Jesus. You want to return to splendor, you want to obey God, you want to worship him, fine, that's great, love it. Will you believe the next sentence I say? Absolute devotion. No corner of your life unturned to Jesus Christ. Every time you read something in the Bible that does not match your life, you immediately claim that for your life and say, now my life is like this. Trust me, and please hear me on this, I have had so many people in my life tell me I'm extreme. So many. And I always, it always makes me like, go, oh. I think sometimes they mean it as a compliment. But I'm like, honestly, I think this is the normal way. I don't think the disciples in the Bible were extreme believers. I think they were just believers. In fact, there was no distinction in the Bible. If you're a believer, you're a believer. And for them, that meant 100% devotion to Jesus Christ. You sold everything you had and then you stayed with him even if it cost you your life, which for many of them it did. But now we've become so comfortable in life that it feels like the path has widened, but it hasn't. The path has widened so much, you think you, think you have, but you're not actually walking on the path that God is. You might be going to church. You might be lifting your hands and praising God. But is your life absolutely devoted to him? Is he your last thought at night? Is he your first thought in the morning? Are you desperate to get time alone with him? Or is it an effort? I'm not trying to, maybe I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I, I really hope you're not saying it. I'm just trying to wake you up because I, I, I don't want to lead a church to just half in. Because I, I can't. I decided a long time ago in my life, I'm 100%, no matter what it costs me. And it has cost me. Cost me so many people. What I've learned is when you're an on fire believer, this is what I've learned. First of all, it's a lonely walk. Very lonely. But then you find people that are on the journey with you and you start to build relationship. But then what I've also learned is walking down the high street in town, especially in Bracknell for me, because I was a minister there for 10 years, I often bump into two types of people. The one that is so excited to see me and then the one that is desperate to avoid me. I don't know if you find this in your life. I don't know if it's a normal thing or just a pastor thing. But I walk down the street and there's so many people I meet that look the other way, and I know you, and they know that I know what they go through. They know I know the secrets of their life. They know, and they know that they were with me at one point. They know that they were on the journey. They know that they were worshiping Jesus standing right beside me. They know I baptized them in water, but now they turned away. The, narrow, the path was too narrow for them, so they stepped aside. And I also noticed this other thing in church. I'm really going for it now, aren't I? I also noticed this other thing in church. 
where lots of people walk the narrow path of Jesus and they'll get to a block and they'll just pace up and down at that point. I'm just happy here. I'm just going to set up camp here. Let me tell you, one of the annoying things about Jesus is he's always moving forward. Always. It actually is it's quite annoying sometimes. Because you think, Jesus, I've just made it to this place. Like, it's like you're even going on a hike with someone who's really fit, like Jamie. They're, they're always ahead of you. You catch up to him. And he's like, right, let's go again. I'm like, mate, I need to break now. And Jesus is the same. He's always looking for new things. He's always pushing ahead. He's always fresh. He's always thinking new. And it's frustrating sometimes. But that's the path we have to decide to follow. Romans 12, verse 1. Can I get on the screen? This explains it better for me. I appeal to you, therefore. I appeal to you. I love that. Paul is just, I can tell that Paul is preached like I have preached. And he's just got frustrated with preaching a message with the whole of his heart. Getting off stage and someone comes up to you and says, that was nice. I wasn't going for nice. I was going for life changing. I was going for, I'm going to change something about me. I can understand his urgency. I appeal to you. Please listen to the words I'm saying, brothers, or the word is brethren, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. In the NIV, it says true worship. If you want to worship God, it is an obedient life. I appeal to you. A living sacrifice. That means you don't decide anymore. God is in charge. Do you notice that in Isaiah 6, he was standing in a throne room with loads of angels singing, but he wasn't asked to join in the singing. He was asked to be a living sacrifice. I need you to take punishment for the glory. He was asked to go on mission. He wasn't asked, hey, come on in and join and sing as well. No, 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 you are still on the earth. This time will come for you. While you're here, it's now obedience. Church, I know what I'm saying to you. I know it's hard to hear. I know you maybe wish this message would finish. And I'll bring it to an end in, in a soon, I promise. But please listen, please hear me. It's absolute devotion. That's the only form of obedience to Christ. It's absolute devotion. You don't believe me? Jesus Christ himself even said it. Do you know what he said? He said, if you love me, if you love me, you will obey my commands. I've never been in any other relationship like that. If my wife said that to me, I'd be like, we probably need to chat about that. If my friends said that to me, you only love me if you obey everything I tell you to do. That, that would not make sense. And then sometimes we can then apply that to our relationship with our king. But the way that Jesus sees it, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Why wouldn't you? 
And that's where Christianity comes down to. And I'll end just with this story. A mother came up to me one time uh, in, when I was a youth pastor and said, Liam, I've got a bit of a quandary with my daughter. I said, of course, let's talk about it. And she said, uh, my daughter wants to go to a party where they are probably going to stay overnight. And I don't know what to tell her because I don't want her to not be friends with normal people, you know. And, uh, but I obviously wanted to protect her from sin. And I said, yeah, that is a tricky one. And she was really worried about it. Her daughter was desperate to go. And I said, well, you, your daughter absolutely should go. Okay, maybe controversial to some of you. Absolutely. How is she going to be a light? You have to stand in the darkness. You just have to. You have to be at the party. But I said to her, you go, she goes with an understanding that at some point in the night, there is going to be a mark of obedience. There is going to be a moment of worship for her. At some point in the night, she will have to say no. And let me tell you, when you obey God and when she said no that evening, that was the best worship song God has ever heard. If you want to live that life, go out into the world. In fact, go to the darkest corners you can find. Please, go. But remember, when you are there, there will be a moment when you say no. There will be a moment when you are hanging around with the lads where they say one joke that's just too far and you say no. When, they, when somebody's hanging around in the office and they're gossiping about your boss, you say no. There will come a moment when you have to say no to the world and yes to God. That moment of obedience is how you return to splendor. That moment of obedience is the best worship song you can sing. It does not matter what you sing on a Sunday, it matters what you obey on a Monday. It's that moment you and I will have to decide. And today, right now, I'm sure and I'm hoping that I've preached somewhat well enough that actually you have got something in your heart and mind that actually maybe is an area of your life where you're really not going for it. Or maybe there's fear that's stopping you being extreme for God. And right now, your best worship song today will not be King of Your Heart, will not be All Hail King Jesus, but it might be today a yes to what I've said to you. When you leave today, I want you to leave actually changed. I don't want you to celebrate when Baz gets changed. I want you to leave changed. When you start to think churches so that other people can only get changed and you don't have to anymore because you've been going for a long time, you've missed the point. The narrow road continues on. Jesus continues marching forward. You and I must do our best to keep up with him. Now he has absolute grace and sometimes there's brothers and sisters that drag you with them and that's what this church will do for you. But sometimes you have to say to yourself, my worship song today is yes to Jesus. That's what I want from our church. You want to be in splendor? You want to be in the presence of the Lord? Just keep obeying Him. And any time you hear something that does not match your life, you change your life and match Him. Simple. Without thought, without worrying about the logic. Because let me tell you, when you start to obey God, trust me, that's actually the best logic. I'm not trying to sound illogical. I like my brain. I use it a lot. Right? I'm not trying to say you should shut off your brain and never use it. What I'm trying to tell you, though, is there is a higher logic than your logic. And that gap between that logic is quite big. You think it's not, but it is quite big. And actually, sometimes you've got to say, even though my logic's down here, I'm just going to trust God's logic up there. And that's the most logical thing to do. I'll close it there. You can take a breath. <laughs> you can close your eyes. You can bow your heads.
I hope what I share with you today has done something for your spirit. I know it would have challenged you, and I know maybe some people aren't as up for the challenge as others. But please tell me, on the other side of accepting this challenge, on the other side of obedience, is absolute freedom, is absolute joy, is absolute peace. Yes, it takes absolute devotion, but Jesus comes with a lot of extras. Absolute love. He comes with an overwhelming basket of gifts for you. He'll release so much in you. But you have to be willing to stay on the narrow road. Sometimes your best worship will be doing all you can not to be taken off that path. Jesus once had the option to get off the path. His friend Peter said, Jesus, you don't need to die. You don't need to die. And Jesus' response was, get behind me, Satan. His extreme nature was his form of worship. I will stay on the path God has for me, even if it costs me my life. Because that's the true destiny. Lord God, I pray for the people listening right now. God, I know some of what I've said may be hard. Maybe some's gone over, the, over our heads. I hope that I've preached it well enough to stay in their spirits. But God, help us as a church be absolutely devoted to you. Whatever you say, we obey. Whatever you command, we do. Whatever you need of us, we give. If you need more energy from us, we give it. You need more money from us, we give it. You, get, you need more time, we give it. Whatever you need, God. We love you, Jesus. There's no rush. Take a moment. What's God speaking to you about? time and then we pray. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of the earth will grow strangely in the light of his glory.
Jesus, I hope I've done you some kind of justice today. God, where I have failed in bringing this message, would you complete it? Would you fix it? Would you help people hold on to what was truth and not Liam? God, I pray that my words would not fall on deaf ears. I pray that we would not be like the time of Isaiah or the nation of Israel at the time. May we be a nation that is hungry for the word of the Lord. And whatever he says, we're desperate to follow and command and be obedient to. Please, God, help us as a people to do this. I ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray a blessing over this church. Thank you.